0: Welcome to Season 8, Episode 2 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Laura and today I'm joined by my co-host, Katherine. For this season of our podcast, we are focusing on transcending the triage of our remote learning lives as we discuss where we are and where we're going to transform our pedagogy and practices. Today's episode is going to focus on design through the lens of educators. As a
1: reminder, we're following the framework in the book, The New Pillars of Modern Teaching, and what we plan to do is spend two episodes on each of the three pillars. We're also somewhat following the structure of the book because Gail discusses what the pillar looks like for educators and then for students, and that's how we plan to divide the episodes in each of the episodes we also want to spend more time on the transformation part but we also know that we're still facing emergency remote teaching and learning and in an off-air conversation laura made a very important comment that said we're still in the triage stage and it's going to be cyclical for a while because we got through everything around spring break we're in little routines now, but then our teams are planning for what summer is going to look like. And then we'll settle into routine and then it will be August and back to school. So we're still moving from triage to transformation. For
0: sure. And it's really exciting and wild to think about what that transformation piece looks like. And my favorite conversation, as you mentioned, we kind of cycle in and out of this triage piece. So today preparing, I was reading through our book and I was looking for the exact quote that I wanted to pull out, what I wanted to focus on. And really, I just wanted to read this whole book out loud. Uh, I'm not doing so great with the less is more, but a reading through the lens of where we are right now uh, is a really cool way to look at this book and this text that we have looked at a couple of times. Well, and
1: Laura, I thought that was so funny that you mentioned you read the book the first time through the oil change. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, and I think that's been one of, the, I guess, minor criticisms. The book is so short on word count, and so the application part isn't there, but that means we get to decide how to interpret that and generate these ideas. Uh, There's so much to discuss, and I think this book is the perfect platform for our conversations. So, uh, as I mentioned, we started our podcast journey um, actually with the book study over this, and that was in 2017. So, I've had pillars conversations with a variety of people, so I have to give a shout-out to Ashley and Al, and then Nancy and Misty. So, now, Laura, I'm going to quiz you, and we're going to start on the first pillar. So, what is the pillar of design? Um, What does that mean
0: to you? What are your big takeaways from that first pillar? I always love a quiz. Uh, You can't see on the Zoom camera that we're recording this. I am holding my book. And again, I still want to read the whole thing out loud, but that's a different podcast, so uh, not today. But uh, thinking about this design piece, if I could really hone in and choose maybe one takeaway idea it's really that word of intention. So really thinking through with intention every aspect of that learning experience that you're designing, possibly in a way that you haven't before. You know, Gail talks about the shift from the time when we, the educators, owned the learning, and it was really about that instruction, but now kind of flipping that on its head and really thinking through the intentional design, we talk a lot about shifting to be those facilitators of learning, and I really do like the phrase, designing a learning experience. And so in this chapter, Gail really breaks it down to have four components, and I'm excited to talk to you about them Uh, with that design. Piece thinking through the time, the place, the medium, and the socialness. So that's my takeaway, and those are my four pieces. How was that for the quiz? Good job. I approve. (laughs) Yes. Because we're starting
1: with the educator's perspective, we want to think about designing from our preferences and thinking about, in terms of time, place, medium, and socialness. And so one of my favorite quotes that I pulled out from the book, she says, the best way to foster learning design in our students is to experience it for ourselves. And we um, now, I think this last month, we win the award for learning so much in a very short amount of time. And so let's think about how we as learners prefer our designed experiences. What do those look like? Laura and I each picked out our favorite learning experiences. Laura, what is one of your favorite learning experiences?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to also say that I think since we have all been forced to shift the way that we are learning and designing and educating, many of us educators and students are really reflective right now about how that learning is going. And so I think this is a great conversation right now. Hey, how do I learn and how do I like to learn um, my response, though, is actually the same post-remote learning. It hasn't really shifted. This is an experience that I had back in 2010, so it's a, it's a decade old, I don't understand time, mm-hmm. when I went to a PD session as a teacher at a service center, actually, and it was back when we were all learning so many technology tools. Uh, Remember those sessions of like, here are 50 tools in 50 (laughs) minutes. Well, it wasn't one of those though, but we did have about 10 tools to choose from. And the facilitator really was a facilitator of learning, which was kind of new to me back in 2010. And she just said, hey, Here are 10 tools. I've got 10 tables. I've got a table tent with the name of the tool on each of the tables. Let me give you a 30 second elevator pitch to tell you what this thing is or what I think it does choose a table, go learn. And it was so wild and freeing and unstructured, and I loved it, uh, because I got to go to the table that I wanted to, I met with people that I did not come with, a whole new group. We kind of formed a group dynamic at our table. We got to leave, actually. like I think our team went out into a courtyard or a hallway, and again, This was wild to me in 2010. And we learned this tool, dumped information into a collaborative Google Doc, and then shared with a group. And and again, it was so great for my learning style to just go and figure it out, figure it out with some new friends, and have that kind of accountability piece to get to share uh, with the the rest of the group. And I I ate it up, and I loved it. So that, that remains my favorite learning experience. Well, that's really interesting after
1: 10 years, then it sticks out as one of your all time favorite experiences. Well, that's very interesting. And that is almost the opposite of my favorite learning experience. And um, those of you who have listened to the podcast before, you have heard me talk about my love for Tony Vincent's online classes. And it is a six weeks class. It is asynchronous you get one video a week that tony has created you have one assignment that you can do or not do you build community in this is all housed in google classroom and you build community by making comments on each other's work and then he also used flipgrid for you to share your reflections and comment on others questions i was in my house I watched the video in the morning when he released it. I spent the week kind of thinking about this tool or this idea that I wanted to create. And then usually my habit was Saturday morning. I would get up early and do my little assignment, turn that in, and then make comments on other people's work. So, so
0: interesting thinking about like, Exact opposite, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the experiences, uh, but thinking about both of our personalities, both of those check out as well. <laughs> like listening to you, that does not sound like what I want to do, but it definitely <laughs> sounds like you. So, yeah. uh, I I love that. I this this leads me to believe you are thriving in the remote learning oh, lifestyle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and perhaps you're not as much. <laughs> I am making it work. I am making it work for sure. Um, but but really, I, I think it is a timely conversation and question to ask. And starting with ourselves before we flip to our students, how do we learn and how are we learning best in a different setup where perhaps, again, you are thriving and maybe people who are, I would not call myself an extrovert. I identify as an ambivert, but those of us who still need a mm-hmm. little bit more of that social interaction, maybe live, how are we doing and how are we making up for it or or maybe making it work? And so Um, The the question to go from here, then, is how can we take our best learning experiences to inform as well as transform the design of learning that we're building? Uh, And so that's where I think we'll have some fun conversation. I do want to say sometimes I forget that not everyone is like me, though. And when I first started working for a service center, I was ready to emulate that amazing learning design that I had. Totally selfishly. Like, I love that experience. And so I was like, all right, I'm at a service center. I'm going to do the exact same thing without thinking of so many factors like we're this group of educators ready for this did this match their style how did this align to their needs and uh, the quick answer was it did not and it was not (laughs) and i thought it was great and they were like cool when are you going to teach us something and so remembering that we do all have that different learning style and how can we put that choice in place now that we're thinking about teaching um, differently and remotely so do you want to jump into the four factors of design Perfect, yes. All right, so let's start with the first one, which is time. And this is the one that I really think a lot about. I know that educators are having lots of conversations about this. Um, Some districts have different expectations about how much time students should be engaged in that learning, how much time and how we're spending our time in our days, you know, working remote, but really just thinking through those same conversations of asynchronous like your learning style versus that synchronous versus having a hybrid or combined. How much time is it taking your students to ingest those options of maybe synchronous class time together? or? reading an article or listening to a podcast or watching a piece and just really being mindful of this different and kind of shift in learning and how our students are spending their time and how we're spending our time it's kind of a cool thing it's weird and scary sometimes because time is different but really spending i'm going to keep saying the word time really spending the time uh thinking about the time that our activities and learning experiences are taking.
1: Well, and so thinking back to our two favorite experiences, you had, I don't know if it was a three-hour or a six-hour session versus... versus mine was six weeks, you know, and I like that time to marinate on ideas and extend the learning. I really am not a fan of like a 30 minute burst. I want more time, just that
0: length of time. So that's one of my preferences. Yeah, Uh, so something that's on my mind right now is thinking about how we have experienced this kind of weird fluidity of time right now, and really thinking about that transformation how can and how should we shift the design for upcoming professional development activities Classroom activities, those learning experiences, now that we have experienced a different time piece, what will that look like in the fall when we're planning learning design activities? Can we give more options, like the one that you're describing with that asynchronous choice piece, instead of thinking, uh, you know, as a high school teacher, thinking of those 50 minute chunks? How can we kind of spread it out and think differently about time? It's something cool to think about. It is. Well, and then even thinking about our colleague who did the survey,
1: what is the preferred amount of time for a webinar? When do you start losing interest or getting fidgety? And I think 150 had responded this morning and maybe 80% said 45 minutes was that that time piece that this face to face sort of learning would look because it's not as interactive not as collaborative as some of the other things that we can experience in a real life situation
0: yeah yeah for sure so the next piece that we think through is after time is that place piece and I know that it's quick to say, well, Laura, we have one place, and it is our <laughs> respective homes. <laughs> that, is, that is where we learn now. Uh, but thinking, thinking about previous times when you know, you have that question, where do you learn best? Is it at a desk? Is it in a coffee shop? I learn really, really well and do really well on my sunny patio. You know, Where is it? Are you comfy on a couch? Where is that place that that good learning is taking place? and i think the time of the activity in our remote learning life really does kind of inform that place again few of us none of us are working at coffee shops right now but depending on what the activity is absolutely i have my designated zoom zone in my house i have more freedom on my patio i can move around to my couch uh and so choosing which activities really inspire thinking based on the place that you're in is something to think about and again was one of those things that was just seemingly revolutionary to me in 2010 wait we can leave this room like we can go outside (laughs) and work And, and thinking about going back in the fall whatever that back looks like when we are face to face again I think embedding those place options will be really important because I have grown accustomed to learning well outside on my patio.
1: Well, and I heard on a podcast this morning, an interview with Dan Pink, and he was talking about, okay, this big shift of a place to a platform. And so thinking more about We've got a lot of different places now. So if your favorite place is on your patio, then what platforms will facilitate you to still learn or lead in on your patio? <laughs> I love that. I uh, I really love that. Okay, so next, let's jump into the socialness with our experiences. Again, Laura, we were opposite, really, in the socialness, and you know how much you enjoyed that collaboration with your colleagues, learning about the tools together, sharing, and then mine was completely online and asynchronous. I never did anything in real time with someone, but I really felt like I made connections and grew my PLN with that socialness. And so I think that uh, a lot of times we have added the introvert extrovert piece to that as well. And that comes into play with all of this.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen several posts about um, teachers talking about how their students that they called shy or quiet in class or introverted or those that don't really speak up in front of a whole classroom, they are having this cool opportunity to see and hear more from those students than ever before due to that platform, maybe that place, the, the different type of socialness. And so I think that thinking through those options when we do transform and go back is really important you know I think we've kind of had a shift toward those who are extroverted we do so many collaborative pieces and you know my classrooms are always big and loud and lots going on which is great for intro sorry great for extroverted friends but maybe less so for our introverted friends something else that is on my mind thinking about that socialness aspect you know you mentioned taking your online course was with Tony Vincent and how you were able to leave comments and live in Google Classroom. I was having a conversation with a friend recently thinking about how it has been kind of helpful, maybe, if we want to use the word helpful, that uh, we're doing our remote learning life at this stage in the school year. You know, teachers know their students, know their personalities, kind of know their styles. uh, And she and I were just kind of thinking through, okay, what if we have a really different looking fall? How will we go about having that social activity and really getting to know your students in a way that could look completely differently and possibly starting the school year or starting a new semester in a remote life, which is a fun and cool challenge that I really hadn't thought about.
1: Well, such a great point, and thinking about how much those face-to-face interactions and you know the little jokes and the nonverbal things that you can give to each other—that is lost in this in this world. So, how can we still continue to build those relationships without face-to-face? Is great question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No one can see, but please know I am emoting very hard via Zoom (laughs) and nodding vigorously. So I I am trying to overcompensate, I think, for those small nuances (laughs) in in real life. But really thinking about getting to know your students who maybe are not doing that and and really getting to know their personalities and building that class class dynamic in, uh, you know, a different setup is something that that will be transformative. Right.
1: Well, and okay, so then the other element of powerful learning design is medium. I know Laura's favorite maybe is time. I think medium is mine, and this is where there's a lot of opportunities for choice. Are you going to take in information via video or audio or text or infographic? How do you like to take in information? And then how do you like to show what you know? That is, again, with Tony Vincent's class. It was, we had a video that we could watch anywhere, anytime. And um, if you've listened to this podcast, how often do I say, I've heard on a podcast. So I love the, the <laughs> podcast life. With Laura, your favorite learning experience, the medium for you was what figuring it
0: out, like do experiential, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a team and figure it out together. And uh, so I love that piece. And what I really love, thinking about medium, and each of these pieces really does kind of flow together and inform one another. But when we're thinking about the amount of time each of our learning pieces will take or should take, maybe where that place happens, and then which option of the, the various mediums really can, I think, fulfill that social aspect based on individuals, learning experiences and preferences. And so, uh, yeah, having those choices I think is really important and it's really cool that we have this weird version of learning that's happening right now. That's letting us maybe experiment with some of those giving more options. Well, and that is
1: definitely a takeaway that I hope we'll see replicated in the future is that there is always this, all of these choices available for us as learners. For
0: sure. We've uncovered them. I feel like we can't cover them back up again. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So if we're thinking about that perfect and transformed world where we can't cover it back up again, uh, we really would and should have that ability to plan, to accommodate multiple learning styles. Uh, However, in reality, in our current state of emergency remote learning and triage, we really can't always do that. Uh, I made the joke earlier that um, many people got to join us for many webinars, and uh, neither Catherine nor I mentioned a <laughs> webinar as our ultimate learning experience. Uh, so when we're living our triage life, I know we're all doing the best we can to teach and reach our fellow educators and students in this emergency remote life. So if there was one kind of triage design takeaway that you have, Catherine, what might that be?
1: I'm going to go back to medium again and just think about, can I offer choices? Can you watch... This little video or can you listen to this podcast and get that same amount of information? The technology provides that choice, but I want to give the learners those options. So thinking about if if I want to start, I'm I want to look for two similar types of content and then shared in different formats to have that
0: choice of input. So perfect. Perfect. What about so, you? Levin? So I'm gonna take yours and then twist it around in the way that I want it to be. So (laughs) same same plus uh, my triage takeaway for design really would be that time piece. And mostly because I think we are experiencing time differently than before. And so it kind of feels like we have the freedom to experiment more with those mediums with those choices and so instead of Thinking through the traditional, okay, I get 30 minutes a day of writing, I'm going to do my normal writing synchronous lesson. Thinking through that time and maybe parsing it out differently. Just like you said, maybe being inspired by a podcast or watching a video or coming to office hours or coming to a classroom that is a synchronous meeting in which we're, we're learning and working together. I just really think looking at time differently so that we can experiment with mediums is uh is something that is my one design takeaway
1: okay that sounds amazing and i hope that that is something that all of us are thinking about when we're dealing with the triage but then also carrying that through for the transformation piece for sure,
0: for sure. I'm also really excited for next week to continue our conversation about design, but take it a step further and think through design through the student lens. Can't wait. Looking at that.
1: <laughs> Thanks for spending time with us today. Remember to take care of yourselves, take care of your families, take care of your students and know that we will transcend this time of triage and emerge transformed. If you want to continue the conversations or if you have additional questions or feedback, find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio.